This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hello there, you you listener, you beholder, uh, wherever you're listening from, whether it be your car or your kitchen or your living room or out on a walk, uh, we just want to tell you that we are glad that you are with us today. My name is Sean, and I'm here with Dan. And uh, before we announce the third person, we just want to say this is a particularly special episode of Behold for Us, and we are excited for this time and excited for what's going to come out of it. So, uh, Dan, why don't you introduce the third person who's with us? Yeah, so we have uh, David Sundman with us joining uh, the podcast in the studio live for what will most likely be the last time in in a little bit, uh, a little bit, because he is embarking on a new adventure. Um, so, David Sundman, how are you today? You doing? You doing okay? You you look a little weepy. You look a little sad. I'm trying not to cry right now. <laughs> it's it's hard. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it truly, truly is bittersweet. Um, I've announced on the social media platform, so it's official. Um, but uh, so so many people may have already heard. Uh, that I am moving out of the Bay Area, uh, and it is for a, a, a wonderful reason and um, something that I believe that God has been preparing for me. Um, but I will be taking on the role as executive director of City Team Portland on an interim basis. So uh, officially, it's temporary. It could turn into a long-term role, uh, but it could also be more short-term. And so it just kind of depends on how things go up there, but um, I think most people at VBC are familiar with City Team. It's a, a Christ-centered uh, program for people who are struggling with poverty and addiction. We have a variety of different services that we offer folks, um, and it's a, an organization that is so very dear to my heart um, because of my personal experience, uh, because although I'm now taking on a role as, as a leader and this organization, it began for me as a client. Uh, as I showed up there about five years ago now, um, severely addicted to heroin and meth and homeless and uh, at the lowest point of my life. Um, but it's so interesting how the story of my experience with City Team is so intertwined with my experience with VBC also, which makes it all the more difficult to um, be leaving, at least in my physical proximity, uh, the Valley Bible Church community. Um, and so I will be trying to stay connected as many ways as possible. I'll still be joining the teaching team meeting on Wednesdays. Who knows, hopefully might be able to jump on a podcast here and there. Um, and we'll obviously be staying connected with the individuals um, who I have grown so fond of and who have been so loving towards me these past handful of years that I've been able to be a part of this community. So it is with... Sadness and excitement that I announced yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, I know that this wasn't a decision that you reached lightly. And I know that God is, has used you to be so fruitful here, both in ministry inside the church and with City Team uh, in the Bay Area. But why don't you just let everybody know just kind of what went into the decision to to, to take this opportunity? Obviously, it sounds like a like a much needed opportunity, a great opportunity for you, but I'm sure there was a process in making that decision. So just share with everybody what that looked like for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely was not an easy decision. <laughs> um, and, and one that, uh, immediately when it was presented, uh, I went straight to prayer, um, because I knew that I needed God's guidance, um, but I know that God will also use uh, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ uh, to speak into my life as well. And so um, immediately I, I started, you know, getting in touch with as many people as possible who I trust, um, who I wanted to present this decision to. Um, and, and so I talked to a lot of people both in and out of the VBC community um, and within City Team. Um, and, and so, you know, a big consideration was the great need that, that is 
that is present up in City Team Portland. Um, the programs are not where we would like them to be. Um, and we're trying to decide really whether the programs are viable in that city, whether it's uh, prudent to continue to serve uh, in Portland. Um, and, and so there is a, a great need for, for leadership there. Um, there's a wonderful staff uh, that is, uh, has been serving faithfully for, for a long time, and, uh, and they are um, – they're, they're – uh, they're a little burned out, um, not just from uh, just the the toll that it takes to serve the people that we serve, you know, seeing people who are in desperate situations on the daily basis, um, but just also, um, I think, not having a, a leadership uh, there that will allow them to continue to grow personally and professionally and to feel supported and loved and um, and just to be reminded of why they're there, why they're not serving somewhere else, um, that they are there because they believe in the mission of City Team and want to serve God's kingdom in the greatest capacity that they can. And so uh, I, I want to be that for them, and I want to, to uh, enable um, – the programs there to continue to serve our most vulnerable neighbors there because there is a, a great need in Portland. It's, it's really evident. And, you know, even coming from the Bay Area, um, there's clearly a, a, a huge issue with homelessness and addiction. But you go to a place like Portland and um, <laughs> that need is, is, is self-evident there as well, um, maybe even in some ways even in a more stark way uh, than you might see in places like Oakland. Um, in Oakland, you know, the homeless camps, uh, they're usually uh, kind of more off the beaten path, um, under freeways, bridges, um, train tracks, that type of thing. But in Portland downtown, there are tents just about on every city block. I mean, that's just everywhere. Um, and, and uh, you know, addiction is, is a big uh, proponent of, of why people are in that situation, um, along with many other reasons. But, um, but so there's a clear need and, um, you know, city team is where I heard the gospel for the first time. Um, they helped me when, uh, people didn't even want to walk on the same side of the street as me. Um, when I had nothing but the clothes I was wearing and a sleeping bag wrapped around me and they helped me to, to live a completely different life than the one that I had known. Um, and I want to see that for other people. That's, that's the motivation. Um, and I know that God has gifted me and, and given me experience that enables me to serve in that capacity. And so um, although I would love to be here, um, I felt that God was calling me to go there. Yeah. yeah and you can't argue with that. And that's powerful stuff. And it, it, it does make a lot of sense, you know, just hearing you talk about it and knowing you your background and your heart and everything else, your giftings, it, it really does make sense. You know, it's not like you're, you're leaving to go do something totally strange and weird and outside of, you know, th this just seems to fit. Um, now, David, you, you mentioned earlier that God used city team to, to, to rescue you and ran to ra radically change your life. But that's also super connected to just uh, your experience as, as part of the VBC church family. And just want to give you an opportunity just to talk about that a little bit and maybe just call out some people, encourage them about how they have shared the love of God in, in a familiar way, familial way with you um, over these, these last five years. Yeah. And again, I'm going to try really hard not to cry here. Um, that's probably going to be the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> just David crying. Yeah. Just <laughs> trying not yeah. to cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, I love sharing the story, but um, the first contact that I had with Valley Bible Church and this incredible community of believers here uh, was actually when I first showed up to City Team. It was within the first few days. Um, I, I came there uh, and it was the same week that I showed up there that Valley Bible Church came um, to host a worship service in the shelter there, you know, city team in Oakland uh, on the first floor there. They have a community dining hall. On the other side, they have a shelter um, where men uh, can stay the night. And every month, um, uh, a group of, of faithful brothers from Valley Bible Church comes there to 
um, be in relationship with the men there and to share the love of Christ through music and through preaching. Um, and so I was there in, in that, uh, in that service. Um, and, and I, I listened and, uh, there were a few people who were there who I met. Um, uh, I know that Wayne Johnson was there. I know that Mike McComb was there. I know that, um, uh, Pat Smith was there and, and then Paul Simpson was there, um, and Paul Simpson, uh, who for anyone who isn't who who is not familiar with him, he's an incredible poet, um, and he was not a regular attendee of that service. He didn't always come with VBC, but he was asked to come that time, and he shared this incredible, incredible poetry about um, the struggles that he had and how God had rescued him from that, and it really hit home because I had I have you know had been making hip hop music for a long time, but I had never heard anybody do what he did and talk about God and be so vulnerable. Um, and so I connected with that. And so uh, I came up to them afterwards and I just shared with them how, how powerful it was for me and how much I appreciated it. Um, and, and so then, you know, fast forward, of course, I, I got to know people as they continued to come uh, monthly and, and some people even on a more regular basis. Um, but just, just to give an example, you know, Paul Simpson, uh, who I met that week, um, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago, he actually got married and, and originally he asked me to be his best man. I was his best man, but he also asked me to officiate the wedding because due to COVID we had to have, he had to kind of alter the, the ceremony. And so, um, so I got to officiate this man's wedding, uh, who I met that, That's that first week that I showed up to city team and was staying there in that shelter, um, and, and got to be a part of his family. Uh, and Pat Smith, who became uh, a, a mentor and someone who discipled me and, and really a spiritual father um, who began to meet with me on a weekly basis and, you know, said words, you know, talk about being treated like family. You know, he told me, I, I, you're a part of our family. Wow. You know, you, you know and, 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 you know, you think about what a family does, you know, you gather together, you enjoy meals together, you encourage each other, you... You speak truth to each other and help each other to grow, and and, and that's what was offered um, through his family, um, and 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 countless other people. You know, and the same thing has been true of Jason Wong and that family. They have again said those same words: "You are a part of our family. You are welcome here anytime." That's amazing. Just to just to put that word "welcome" in the in the midst as we're going <laughs> to consider that in Romans fifteen, um, and and not only have there been specific individuals and and families who have welcomed me in that way, who have included me, who have treated me like a brother, like a son, um, but just the entire body uh, uh, within Valley Bible Church have welcomed me in that way at every turn um, in so many different ways. Um, and, and so I have been so incredibly blessed, um, and I'm so grateful that it's not a temporary thing that although even if I move to Portland and I'm not able to be here in a physical sense that we will get to enjoy eternity together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that that is, that is a hope that we have that I hold on to um, and that comforts me as I experience the, the sadness that, that I feel knowing that I'm not going to be able to see you guys and everyone else um, in the way that we have been for the past handful of years. That's amazing, David. Thank you for sharing all that. I know you could probably go on and on, and I know you'll take some time over, over the next week, just as you already have, just, you know, saying, saying farewell, um, not goodbye forever, but, but farewell. And as we kind of get a, get a chance to have you on the podcast one last time and, and just get into Romans 15, um, it's, let me just say, it's been a delight to have you as part of our teaching team and to have you on the podcast and to get to know you a little bit better. And I know I speak for Sean that we're going to miss you a lot, but we'll definitely rope you back in sometime in the future. Um, Before we get on any further, can, can Sean and I just pray for you and a blessing over your, this new chapter of your life? Please do. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys. Yeah. Before I pray, I just unashamedly am going to describe my dream for this season of your life. My dream is that you, you, we, we mentioned this briefly, briefly before, but unashamedly, I will be praying with fervor that God makes this a Batman experience for you. 
<laughs> that you you go and surf him and do your thing in the Himalayan mountains and get trained up by this Raza Ghoul guy and come back as this like superhero for the Lord rock star ready to rock the Tri Valley. The now, only the only problems with that analogy is then that means Valley Bible Church is Gotham City, which I don't know if that's a that's a favorable comparison. I mean, and then also Raza Al Ghul like turns out to be a traitor in the end, so I don't know. Yikes. So it breaks For, down a little bit, but I, I mean, get the yikes. idea. Don't 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 read too deep into it. <laughs> main point. We'll just take the good main stuff. Main point. Exactly. You come back uh, as Batman. That's that's the key part. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know, if that's not the Lord's will, then we will. Uh, just be excited for what the work you're going to be doing in that. Um, but that said, man, I'm excited for the the future Zoom calls. Hopefully, we get to have and the uh, if there's a season you do come back, we are eager and chomping at the bit for it. But yeah, man, let's pray for you, Father, Lord. Just first and foremost, we praise you, we give you glory, and we thank you, Lord for just the incredible transformation that you have provided in David's life. Lord, it is so evident just through what he just shared that, that there, there is people in, in his life that took what you said seriously and, and lived out your gospel and your love. And, that, and that's what led David to where he is now. So Father, we just thank you and praise you because we, we reap the benefits of that daily. We see him, we know him, we love him. And it is just clear that he, that the, that story he just gave is just a beautiful example of really your story for salvation for all of us, Lord. So God, we just praise you because of that. Father, I like like David said, it, it's a bittersweet thing for anyone to that we love to not be with us anymore, Father. And so we take that and we just present it to you, Lord. God, we, we take that, the sadness, and we give it to you. We take the joy and we give it to you, Lord. And we ask that you would help us as a church family to just be viewing this season as, as a time of excitement and really a fulfillment of, of David's talents and giftings, Lord. Would you tell us in, in first Peter that as each of us has received a gift to use it, to serve one another as good stewards of your varied grace. And father, it is so clear that you have gifted David in this way. You've gifted him to do what he's doing with city team. And it would be just a, a squander to not use those giftings. So, Lord, in that way, would you help all of us at VBC to just be so excited for him, to just be so joyous knowing that David is going to make disciples of the nations and doing work that that you've charged him to do, Lord. And we're so excited for, just like you did for him, to, to see the transformed lives that he might be a part of up there in Portland, Father. So, Lord, we, we are eager to, to get reports back from him, Lord, to see just how you're moving through that time, Father. Um, and Lord, I ask that for David himself, as he goes up there, would you just be with him, Lord? Uh, it, it's He's going to be leaving a lot of friends and a lot of loved ones. And Lord, I ask that you would just cover him with grace during that time of, of getting settled in and help him to get connected with people um, the same way he did here, Lord, just with, with a family of people who who know you and love you up there, God. Um Lord, again, I just I just thank you for just this season of life we've had with David Sunman and the, the incredible blessing he has been to our church family. And Lord, I, I I look forward to and we anticipate and I thank you for the blessing he is going to be during this season of life for those up in Portland. And I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Yes and amen, amen to that. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, David, for being with us. It's good. Yeah. Love you, dude. Love, Love you, guys. Batman. Um, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. That's good. Okay. So we are uh, on Sundays. We are in Romans. Oh, this is really funny. Let me. What? Everyone say hi in a second. It's going to be great. Whoa. <laughs> You're interrupting our podcast, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a for, <laughs> okay for those for those listening at home. I think we should keep this in. This is great. Oh, oh he's back again. Oh, <laughs> Reverend gosh. Tim Barley just in, he just interrupted our our uh, our Zoom call here. Okay, just uh, to so do everyone, God knows what. I don't know what he was trying to do. So this is funny. So just the, a quirk of how did he even get that? Dude, he's, he's, 
it's a quirk of modern work days with pandemic life because, you know, we're all Zooming <laughs> left and right. And so there was a different meeting that we had originally scheduled right. and we moved it for this. Yeah. And then he just signed up for it. He popped in like, what's going on? It's that's amazing. F- that's funny. <laughs> wow. We're leaving that in for sure. We're leaving that's that great. in. That's great. Hey, by the way, I just thought of something that I have to mention too. Uh, you guys didn't, didn't know this, but my first word was Batman. No way. My oldest brother was obsessed with Batman and like and would not stop trying to get me to say Batman when I was a baby until Dude, I said Dude, this it. is prophetic. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So just saying, right, I like yeah. it. I like it. Tim oh, Barley just really texted good. us and said humiliated. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Lord help us. Where are we? Okay. So on Sundays. <laughs> As you guys know, if you're listening, we've been going through the book of Romans for uh, months and months now, and we are currently in Romans 15, and this last Sunday, uh, Mr. Gary Darnell took us through verses 7 through 13. And in that chunk of scripture, uh, Gary pulled out these four grand things, um, these four grands, and there's four different words that follow, that he really used to... Just help us understand the different the different themes that Paul is taking us through. So the first one there is the grand comparison, and Gary would would go in more depth to say that like Christ, we also treat others as family. And man, David, you just gave us a great example of what of a of a real life uh, situation like that. But as you guys were listening to Gary uh, in Romans fifteen seven uh, and kind of through eight. What are some things that stuck out to you or what are some things that resonated with you guys? Yeah. Um, first, and of course, I wanted to wait until we talked about the passage, but, um, you know, one other thing uh, that was really powerful for me when I first started coming to VBC regularly, um, I was looking for a church with great teaching. Um, and I came to VBC and I heard Gary teach and I was like, this is where I need to be. Um, and the first day that I came to VBC, Pat Smith introduced me to Gary because I had said, you know, I want, I want to teach the word of God. I want to, I want to learn how to do that. Um, and so he introduced me to Gary and Gary took me in and, and has been mentoring me and, and my ability to teach the word. And so always also got to give a big shout out to Gary and, and particularly this week, as always, he just really hit home uh, with these passages and just did an incredible job. And so I'm really grateful that I get to continue to meet with the teaching team and learn from Gary. Um, but uh, just on this this um, this topic of, you know, this familiar relationship that we have through Christ, um, I, I just love this, that, that he included this passage from uh, Romans chapter 8 about adoption. And, mm-hmm. and Gary, back when we were going through chapter 8, and, and on this idea of adoption, Gary said something that always stuck with me. He said, you know, adoption is much different than just having a child, you know, in the, in the traditional way. You know, you, you might, you know, your wife might come home and say, oh, gosh, like, I'm pregnant, <laughs> like, you know, like almost like on accident, like you weren't planning for it. But adoption is much different. You know, your wife doesn't come home and say, oh, I accidentally adopted a few kids. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly intentional and, and grace-filled and, and gospel-centric way of including someone in your family. And so just to think about that, how we've all been adopted into God's family, mm-hmm. that that is the position that we have in Christ and, and how we should be seeing everyone else who is a follower of Jesus in that same way, that they have that same position, that God has welcomed them as an adopted son and daughter. So that was powerful. Yeah, and, and Gary said, you know, even if we don't agree with them, and and that's been that's been a big theme over the last couple of weeks is there are there are those people in the family of God that we are not going to see eye to eye with on every issue. And what Paul is encouraging us here in is is to not quarrel with them. And and the way that we do that is we think of them as as fellow adopted kids of God in the household in the household of God. And Gary said this a couple different times and it's going to pop up, you know, throughout the whole discussion here, but it's like, who are we to treat people in a way that's contrary to how God has treated them? And that really has just been echoing in my head. And there's, man, there's, there's a lot of times where, uh, 
we, we, we like this idea of the family and the household of God. And we, we get really excited about it until we, we, uh, <laughs> we encounter someone that we don't like or that doesn't think about things the same way we do. And, um, man, it's, it's so clear that we are to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God in, in verse seven there. And it kind of reminded me, and I've been thinking just about this book that we read together as a staff. Um, it's called when, when the church was a family by, by Joseph Hellerman. Sean, you remember reading that? Oh, do I? Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot that the book goes into, but, but one of the things that that um, kind of one of the premises of it is, you know, the the context in which the New Testament was written was this this strong a strong group society or a strong group mindset. You know, the culture um, during that time and in that part of the world was very much very much prioritized the group over the the individual, and so 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 they would have read these um, these texts from Paul talking about the household of God and talking about, you know, the family of God. Like um, Gary brought in the Romans 3 passage as well, but just that we've, we've been justified and redeemed. And, and that, that process of adoption, we, we were all, we've all experienced that. We're all in the same net. Do you remember that? We're all caught up in that yeah. same thing. And so um, when they read it, you know, they, they would have maybe understood that comparison in a different way than what we would in our, in our highly individualistic family. I mean, in our highly individualistic culture, um, that's not like a family. And I love, I love how, what the stories that you told, you know, about, about, um, the Smiths and the Wongs, just like welcoming you in, you know? Um, and I wanted to read this quote and then just kind of see what you guys thought about, about the, the church as a family and about, because that's one of the most often used analogies or comparisons to the church in the New Testament. So um, so it says here in the first chapter, it says, the Christian communities established by Peter, Paul, and others in the Roman Empire were strong group surrogate family units in which the good of the group took priority over the desires and aspirations of the individual members. The collectivist worldview resulted in some very specific behaviors and relational expectations that in turn distinguished the Christian church as unique among the various social and religious groups in the Greco-Roman world. And I think sometimes we, we forget about that. You know, we, we, we kind of import our own ideas of, of what a family is into these texts. And so I'm just curious what you guys think about, about that and how, how that kind of sets the stage for what Paul is instructing us in, in, in Romans 15. What do you guys think? Yeah. You know, uh, in reading that book, one of the things I appreciated was just the, the counter to, like you said, Dan, uh, when it comes to Western culture and our individualistic culture, um, yeah, we tend to put our, our individuality or our personal preferences just on this pedestal above everything else. And um, I really appreciated that in the book, Hellerman describes how no, like the, the biblical precedence is that that of family and of that 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 strong group mentality is so much more than that. And there's so many pros and cons that come with that, of of favoring that over this individualistic idea. And I feel like we see it a lot in the way that people view just church in general in our in our area and our uh, culture and our neighborhoods. You know, we throw around this term a lot of like, oh, this consumerist mentality with church, but it really is true. Like people these days tend to seek out a congregation that will kind of fit what they're looking for in a church, will fit what just feels right with their set of beliefs rather than looking for a family that's going to help them grow and develop, even if it's some difficult and hard things. Um you know, like David, with your example with city teams, like, man, what a clear picture of being welcomed into to God's family. Like it's right there. But I'm sure that for you along that process, like there's, I, I can imagine some hard times of growth in that. I'm sure that there, there might've been moments where it would have been easier to be like, nah, this ain't really, they're, they're challenging me on too many things. I'm going to peace out and go somewhere else or whatever it is. Um, 
but yeah, this idea of the, of of family being what's most important, and really just the 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 vessel through which God wants to communicate what our experience is supposed to be like with Him. I think it informs us a lot as to how we're supposed to operate now in our church family, even in the midst of like a pandemic when we can't be together. You know, right? Well, I almost feel like it's maybe made it made it a little bit clearer, like Christ's. Um, his vision for the church as a family and, and, and as reflected in Paul's writings as well, I wonder if it, if it's kind of, it's maybe crystallized a little bit because if I, if I don't like the, the, what the teacher says, you know, I, or if I don't like the children's ministry program or whatever, I just go to the next church. Well, now you can't really do that. You can't just like go hop into a different church. And I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of a really interesting moment in history, I think, to evaluate how we think of the church. And I love Hellerman uh, in one of the later chapters in his book, he has these, 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 these characteristics of, of Jesus's church. Number one, we share our stuff with one another. We share our hearts with one another. We stay, we embrace the pain and we grow up with one another. And we understand that family is more about than just my wife and my kids or my siblings or whatever. And Again, we, we keep kind of coming back to David, your experience, but but uh, I see those characteristics in uh, in your story with with Valley Bible Church, you know. Absolutely, and um, and you know, Gary mentioned this uh, this idea of you know this term welcome. You know, the the original word that was translated as welcome meant like to draw someone close to you. And, you know, you mentioned in that, that quote from that book, it talked about how the way that they were living distinguished them among other groups of people. And, and so that is really what we would hope is that in living in this way, in a way that is not self-focused, self-centered, what am I getting out of this? You know, how is this contributing to my life versus how am I adding to the lives of other people? How am I adding to the, the community of believers that I am entrusting my care to? Um, that when we live in that way, that, that you know, acts to, you know, first century church kind of way, it, it can't help but cause people to say, what is causing them to love each other in this way? What, what, is, so, what is causing them to be so different what is the motivation behind it? What is the what is the uh, you know the the cause of this incredible other centered lifestyle that these people are living in a community with each other, um, where they're going through the good times and the bad times together, and making sure that everyone is loved and taken care of. It's it is powerful. It's, it's our calling card to the world, and it should it should look like that, you know, and it should be so obvious to the world and and man, if we're, it kind of underscores everything that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Like if we're letting these petty things come in between us, then we are missing the mark. Then we are, we're, we're not getting after that witness that our church family is supposed to be. And so, yeah, just, I, it undergirds everything, mm. you know, that, that welcoming in that drawing near that, um, even for, for people that are different, you know, that's, that's so true. And, you know, we're reminded that, that the goal for us, it's not just, Oh, love others, but really it's this, it's inside out flowing from the inside, this desire to serve others. And why it's because we can see and we recognize and we revel in the glory of the fact that, that Christ served us and Christ serves us, which is where Gary goes next um, with Romans 15. So next two, which I think is a perfect lead in, is the grand sacrifice and the grand achievement. And really starts diving into more specifically how Jesus really leads that example for us. Um, so as you guys were listening or just reading right now through Romans 15a and through verse uh, 12, really, what sticks out to you? What, what jumps out? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to, to mind for me is that Philippians passage that Gary gave us in the notes. And because verse eight talks about Christ becoming a servant and that can be kind of a weird thing for us to understand that the God would, would humble himself and become a servant. And it can, it can be fuzzy for us to, to think about God in those terms. 
even in our connect group on Sunday, we were kicking that around and there was a couple of people that were just really struggling with that idea. Even, even the, the reality that, that Christ, even, even the ascended Christ who is glorified and, and resurrected and, and, and sitting at the right hand of the throne, even now he lives to serve us. And I, I think it can be a really difficult thing for us to, to grapple with. And so that's why I love that, that Philippians chapter two passage, because it really outlines it for us. And not only that, but it tells us then to, to model ourselves after that attitude that Christ, even in his deity, even in, in his, in his, um, fully godness, he, he set aside the, the glory, he set aside the, the, um, the accolades of that identity and he, he humbled himself. I mean, just think about the creator becoming that which was created, um, taking the, our, our, our form, our frame, our, you know, all the, all the weakness and, and, um, and all the temptation that comes along with being a human. I mean, it's just, it's so amazing to see that. And, and what Paul says as, as he did that, and, and, and even to the point of death, um, Paul says, you have that same mind, have that same mind. And I'm, I'm curious what you guys, cause I don't know. I got hung up on this. I don't know if it's just me being weird or whatever, but it's weird. Cause he says, have this mind that is yours, right? So he says, have this mind among you, which is yours. So, so I don't know. I just got caught up on like, how do you have something that is already yours? And if, if there, if there's a way to do that, then, then there's a way to not have something that's yours. You get what I'm saying? Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? I mean, it, it just, it kind of was like, you know, have what is yours. I don't know. It just kind of, it was, it was rolling around in my head. Yeah. What do that, you guys think? I mean, just the way you said that confused me a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, it's so true. But I think the key thing for that, um, to give clarity to that is just the, the rest of the sentence is have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, and then most importantly, in Christ Jesus. So I think we're being reminded that, hey, everything I'm saying right now, this is this is your task, this is your charge, and this is your ability to do when you are turning to Christ Jesus, when you're seeking that. And to answer your question on the flip side, if you're not, if other things are becoming what what guides your decisions and guides your your attitudes, then of course it'd be impossible to do these things. We're, we're going to succumb to cultural pressures, to our own sin natures, just like anything else. Um, but yeah, have this mind among yourselves, which God has given us in Christ Jesus. And it makes me think about like our, our identity, you know, like we were reminded on Sunday, we were, we've been born again to a living hope. Um, and it makes me think about what Gary said about that verse eight, about Christ becoming a servant. You know, he, he paid attention to that word became, because there's different words you could use to describe that. Like there's other Greek words that are more akin to like stepping into a responsibility or a role kind of thing. But the Greek word there, which I'm going to botch the pronunciation is, yinomai, something like that. It's good enough. Good enough. Sounds which good. Just say it with confidence. No one will yinomai, <laughs> which, which that word, it means more like to, to, to come into existence or there, there's a sense of absolute permanence to that. And so Gary would say that, man, Jesus didn't step into a role as servant during his time on earth, which I think a lot of us think about like, oh, like he acted as a servant during a time, but no, Jesus came into existence in his new reality as servant for eternity. And really it's the same for us. We have become these images of Christ and it's not a, it's not a role for us to fulfill, but this is our existence. Um, and so thinking through that Philippians two thing, it, it kind of just gives me uh not necessarily clarity, but definitely confidence and like peace thinking about stepping into those different things, knowing that like, man, this is who we are now. This is our identity. Um, that, that because just like Christ became that servant, we are now forever that servant to others. And then the, the bucks on us to then do that or not, if that makes sense. To walk in it or not. Exactly. That's really good. David, what, what about you? Yeah, very well said, Sean. Um, that was that was great. Uh, that was exactly you know what was on my mind is like, you know, like you said, DJ, like it, it's something that we have, 
but it's something that we can only have in Christ. It's not something that we had previously. Our, our natural sinful inclination uh, is not to serve people. It's not to put ourselves in that position. Um, and even for the disciples, you know, they were confused about that and about what it meant to uh, to, to, to walk alongside Jesus. And, you know, we think of, you know, these guys as they're quarreling over who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit at which side of him, you know, who, who's going to be, you know, his right hand and left hand man, um, because they had a, a very different idea about what it meant to, to be uh, great in his kingdom, you know, and, and especially for the Jewish people who were looking for a political savior, they wanted someone who was going to come in and and be in a you know probably a real big palace and overthrow the Roman government and lead a great army and all these things that uh, that would that would point to greatness in a worldly perspective. But he showed that what it meant to be great in his kingdom was much different, um, and he exemplified that so that we could follow his example. And, and you know, one that we can always look to is his his. Uh, act of washing the disciples' feet. You know, he said, yeah, I, I'm your teacher. I'm your master. Um, you know, it's right for you to say that, and you're not above me, but I'm going to place myself in a position where I am acting as if I am uh, your servant, that I'm going to wash your feet, that that's the type of leader that I am. That's the example that I'm giving you, that although that you, you might have had this preconceived notion about what uh, the Messiah would look like, I'm going to do something that's radically different, and that's the way that I want you to live. That's the example that I'm setting for you, and he then created a new humanity that would follow that lead, that we would be a people uh, who would lead through servitude. And you, and you see that, especially, I think, in the leaders at Valley Bible Church, in the way that our leaders, our elders, our pastors, deacons serve the people of God. And one example that always comes to mind, uh, someone was... Um, telling me about Jay Scott and how over at the Altamont, like here's, uh, you know, an elder or leader uh, within that church, yet he was, people would always find him sweeping, that he was not, or taking out trash. He was not above those things. He's there to serve in whatever that looks like, in whatever way that he can live for the benefit of the people of God, whether it's speaking from the pulpit on a Sunday morning or taking a bag of trash out, that's what he's going to do. I love it. That's so powerful. And... Jesus, I mean, it's, it's so kind that he, he lived this out so crystal clear for us. And so if we ever, if we're ever wondering what it looks like, we just, all we have to do is just look at his life. And, and, and it really struck me too, that, that Gary talked about how, how Jesus continues that work today for us for the, for the people of God, he continues to intercede for us. And Gary made reference to it. I don't think it's in the notes. I didn't see it in the notes, but Gary made reference to Hebrews, um, you know, some, some truths from Hebrews chapter seven. And I just kind of want to read it a little bit. And, and just with this idea of Jesus, you know, stepping into that role of servant and, and to continue to do that. So, um, in verse 23 of chapter seven, it says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So, so they died, right? <laughs> which is, which happens to every human. Uh, but he, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And earlier in the chapter, it says that Jesus has an indestructible life. Don't you love that? Um, mm -hmm. So it says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And that really is, is, is what I took away from the grand achievement section is that not only has Jesus saved us once and for all, but he saved us to the uttermost, meaning he continually helps us in this process of, of working out our salvation as he's working in us, as he's going to the father on our behalf, as he's, he's still acting as that humble servant, even though he's glorified. Now he's still acting as that humble servant and giving us grace and help and mercy. And that just blew me away. I mean, I just, um, it, it's inspiring. It makes me want to then turn 
and, and be that kind of a servant in other people's lives. Man, amazing. So well said, Dan. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to add regarding the grand achievement because you said it. Like Christ has done it, and it's really inspiring for us, or should be, when we're, like David said, turning to him and really seeking him out in that way. And I think that that leads us really well into the last grand, which is the grand expectation, um, which is really kind of our natural response as sons and daughters of God to these truths and to that that truth of of the reality of who Jesus is and is going to be forever, um, which is where Paul goes through Romans 15 verse 13, giving us that charge. But then Gary kind of broke down that, that process. So I'll read it and then we'll open it up. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So that's super inspiring and uh, really encouraging to hear but what did you guys think about what Gary said about uh, kind of unpacking the process of what that does in our lives? Well, uh, just right off the bat, um, you know, Gary used the word pussyfooting in his sermon. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught I that. If I, should you know, ble- I didn't know if but... I should bleep that out or not. <laughs> <laughs> but he said Jesus is not pussyfooting around when he's going to return. Okay, he's going to be coming in glory anyways, and he was referring to the hope that we have that Jesus is going to return, and he's going to make all things right, he's going to make all things new, and he's going to unite us as a people in glory with him, and what an incredible hope that is. Um, But I I feel like what it all points to is just having this eternal perspective, you know, and even just going back to, to, you know, the first point, like, hey, we're all a family um, and so because we all are this family that have been made a, a family in Christ, that we all have the same right standing before him. We've all been justified. Um, and so our, our position is, is, is going to be the same when Christ returns in his glory, that we're going to be able to uh, experience this, this second coming of Christ um, and everything that that means for us together. And, and so... You know, when we think about that and we think about this expectation that we have, this true hope that we have, not a hope in things that are seen, but in, in things that are unseen, things that are to come, uh, because is it, is it a, a better life when you know Jesus in, in this world? Yes, of course it is. Um, and we enjoy all the fruits of the Spirit, but truly our hope is in what is to come, that in the next age, uh, you know, this will all seem like, uh, you know, just a little blip in in the course of our existence um, compared to what we will experience when Christ returns and we get to enjoy uh, eternity with him alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that like you said, Dan, we're going to look back and be like, how could I, like, how could I have acted like that? Like, how could I have treated <laughs> people I like treat, that? Yeah. yeah, who am I to treat people like that knowing what the, the, the hope that we have in Jesus? It's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing to think of that and have that perspective. And I loved what Gary, how Gary, he talked about the, you know, the operative phrase is in believing, right? So, so we have this God who's the God of hope and, and Paul saying you, it's possible to experience uh, joy, which is the result of relationship. It's possible to experience peace, which is inner tranquility. It's possible with God, the God of hope, but you got to do it in believing. And Gary showed showed us like an example of what that, what that was like in, in the passage from first Thessalonians that he was um, referencing that, that Jesus is going to come back and make everything right. Like you said, David. And, and I loved how he shared like, Hey, this is, this is an example of me working on the in believing part of that verse. You know, it it doesn't just happen by osmosis or just, you know, because you, because you logged into VBC at home, like, you're just going to get peace and, and joy. No, like you have to, you have to, the operative thing is in believing. And so I wanted to just share something from, uh, from, from my week that, uh, where I experienced that and, and hopefully it'll be an, just an inspiration for others to, you know, to, to participate in that process as well. So I, I've been spending a lot of times, a lot of time in the Psalms during this, this weird season where it feels like the world is ending um, and today I was in Psalm 37 and there was just some great stuff in there. Like the first verse, um, starts off with fret, not yourself because of evil doers, 
Don't be envious of wrongdoers, for they soon will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And and later on, it says again, don't don't fret, don't fret when uh, when when there's when you see evil in the world or when you see someone prosper, um, you know, th- through selfish gain. And um, man, I just I think um, there is there is so mi- so much in our face of people just carrying out selfish desires or, or, or letting evil just run rampant, you know, and, and whether it's a, a corrupt politician who's just interested in self selfish gain, you know, whether it's, um, a, a racist police officer or it's, or it's, you know, senseless violence in the streets, you know, or, um, or, or people being divided over silly issues like, um, you know, what, how to handle the COVID crisis there, there's, it's so easy for us to get worked up and to fret about those things. But I love how the psalmist um, gives us th- these four things to do that really um, it, it, it's a, it's a process like, like is described in, in Romans 15. It's that in believing process. Listen to these things. He says, trust in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, be still before the Lord. And as I just kind of processed through those things and, and really just reminded myself that those things are possible as I trust and believe in the God of hope. And as I meditated on that and, and sat in God's presence uh, in the morning, you know, in the stillness, the quiet of the morning, I experienced that joy and that peace that Paul talks about in, in verse 13. And I'm sure you guys all have, you know, experiences like that this week as well, maybe even from this morning. And I just wanted to encourage everyone listening that this stuff is real. It's possible. Like it's, and it's not just, you know, Gary, our elder teacher, like doing it, you know, it's, it's there for us, but we have to, we have to grab hold of it. I mean, that, that is so well said, Dan. And I just want to reaffirm that with anybody listening. I know that sometimes when life gets crazy and uh, there's a pandemic going on and there's protests and your job situation may have changed and you just got told your kid's not going back to school in the fall or whatever it is. I know that sometimes in the midst of those things, it feels like some of these things we're talking about can be so distant. And so like, yeah, that's nice, but I have all this going on right now. But everything Dan just said is, is the solution to that. It really truly is that joy and that peace truly can be yours in the midst of any circumstance if you're doing that believing process. And, you know, right here it's worded believing, but we've been talking about this for the last 17, 18 weeks, building your believing in God, going back to Romans 12, doing that renewing of your mind in God, the whole theme verse for this entire podcast of Second Corinthians 3.18, that process of beholding the glory of God and in Christ, it's that same exact thing. We're doing this active, not a passive thing, this active building our hope, building our belief, building our appreciation and reveling in God's glory. And we can see it and we have seen it and we're going to continue seeing God's transformation in our life in, in beneficial ways when we participate in that process. Amen, dude. Amen. So good. And um, something that was just coming up, you know, as you guys were talking, um, is just thinking about how we have those feelings when we believe that God is who He says He is. And in these passages in the in the um, in the in the conclusion of this section. Um, he gives these references um, to texts from the Old Testament, um, and it points to the fact that God was faithful, you know, in the past that he was faithful and that he is faithful in the present and that he will be faithful in the future. Um, you know, he, he mentions how uh, that long time ago, uh, God was, was telling uh, people, how he was going to unite Jews and Gentiles, and now in the present we experience that—that that in Christ that we that we uh, are are a people of of diversity, um, of, of of Jews and Gentiles who are united around Christ, 
And so understanding that he was faithful in the past and that he is being faithful to what he said that he was going to do now, that helps us to trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do in the future. And so <laughs> there, we have every reason to trust in him and, and, and to, to, to believe that, that, that we can have this hope um, and, and that should give us that peace and that joy. What, how could we not have it? How could we not He's have it? He's got the perfect track record. He's never, yeah. never lost a race. He's <laughs> good, right? Oh man, he's good. He is good, um, man. It's so much to, to 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 think about and unpack. And really, as you're thinking about and unpacking, doing exactly what we're talking about, just that renewing of your mind process. Um, you know, I think that we we're, we're getting ready to uh, sign off somewhat soon on this episode, but I just want to circle back to that that idea of as a result, hopefully, of doing this entire process and of, of, of praising and, and grasping Christ's just glory and his achievements and, and our natural response to that and building our hope. So in doing that, um, that whole idea of just welcoming people, you know, of, of in the midst of disagreements or people that maybe you are just different than, you know, how can we still be acting towards them in a way that, that, that ensures they are drawn near, that, that they feel drawn into this family. Um, so do you guys have any like last encouragements or last, uh, practical tools or prayers people can be doing to help them develop just that instinct of, of being a welcoming person this week? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if Tim said this uh, on the service on Sunday or if it was in like a zoom meeting we had, or it's all scrambled up in my brain, but he, he, I thought he, I remember him giving us uh, just an encouragement to, to just do the simple act of, of making one phone call. Was it per day mm. or per week? I don't know. But to me, one, one phone call a day isn't, isn't that outside of the realm of possibility. Maybe it's right before you start your work day, or if you're, if you're an essential worker and you're still commuting, maybe it's during your commute. Or, you know, right after you put the kids to bed or whatever, just, just a 15, 20, 30 minute phone call to, to just check in with somebody in, in the church family, to ask them how you can pray for them, to just see how they're handling the circumstances of life in these trying times. And that's something that <clears throat> um, really as, as, as a pastor here, I've been, I've been making an effort to do that, especially with the people that are part of our, our Valley Bible worship team and just trying to just call at least one person a day and just check in. And obviously it's not as good as seeing people face to face in a small group or on, on at service on Sunday mornings, but it's what we have right now. And it's a simple thing that we can do to welcome somebody else in spite of our differences. And I think it was just, you know, it's interesting. We, I won't give any names or anything, but, um, you know, we, lo- we, we logged on our, uh, our, uh, VBC connect group after the service and, uh, we, we just start t- checking in and talking and, and right off the bat, a couple of us start getting into a disagreement. Like we, we start getting into like a, like a spat, you know, based on, on differing views on, on a particular issue that is really not an essential issue. And it was, it was, um, it was a great opportunity for us to, to, to stop and be like, Hey, look, this is happening right now. This is the kind of thing we were just talking about. Let's, let's redirect and let's get back on the same page. And by the grace of God, we were able to. And so I think just taking those opportunities, you have to be way more intentional than usual. You have to really, you know, think and pray, who can I call, um, you know, who can I call today? Who can I encourage today? Even if it's just a text message or an email, but that's a way for us to continue to welcome each other in uh, as a VBC church family, even during the season where we're, we're, we're sheltered in place and, and separated by distance. Yeah. You know, Dan, I think you hit the nail on the head with just the word intentional. I think a lot of it just comes down to intentionality in your actions and speech and I guess my one little nugget I'd say is just try to get in the habit of, of thinking before you speak. You know, it's not something a lot of us are, are used to doing, but just <laughs> thinking like, hey, is, is what I'm about to say to this person going to make them feel drawn in and welcomed or not? 
And uh, I know sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, well, I can't not voice truth or whatever it is. But no, like it's, it's super, it's super <laughs> possible to voice your disagreement without doing it in a way that makes them feel unwelcomed. Um, and Dan, that example is that you just gave from our character groups is a great example. That particular issue and the words that were said so easily, they could have been shifted and you could have expressed the same disagreement, not you, but the person could have expressed the same disagreement and done it in a more welcoming way. And, and, I'm, and I feel like if they had done that, if they had thought to themselves, is this sentence going to welcome this person or not? They probably would have worded it differently. So yeah, just trying to get into that. Or, or, or they maybe wouldn't have said it at all. Maybe yeah. they just would have kept it to themselves. Or that. Which, which, is, which is fitting with, with part of what Romans 14 instructs us is, is some, some of those things we can keep to ourselves. Yep. Am I right? Amen. Yeah, you know, something that I've been going through recently uh, with some of the freshman guys here at the church is uh, the book of James, the letter of James, um, and he talks so much about the power of our speech and how it can either tear down and cause such great destruction or it can build people up in such an incredible way. And um, just, just you know, something that's a little bit of a warning from an experience that I had recently. There's a, a small group um, of which I am have been a part um, where some folks were talking about um, another faith uh, and they were talking about it in a way that they weren't saying things that were untruthful, but they were saying them in a way that's that to someone else who was in the group sounded unloving, um, unloving. And, and they were really put off by it because they had grown up in that faith. Um, and still knew a lot of people who they loved and cared about who were part of that faith. And it actually caused them to feel like they weren't welcome at VBC. Um, and, and again, it, you know, it's, it's something that, hey, we all need the grace of God and, and none of us are perfect. Um, but it, it's just something that we need to be careful about. And they, and they totally, they, they got to talk about it afterwards and it, and it was resolved and they got to, you know, talk through it. But just, just to say, like, we never know who's listening, what their experience is, where they're coming from. And sometimes what we say and, and even how we say it um, can do great damage. But conversely, it can also build people up so, uh, so well. Um, and so just understanding the power of our words, and especially right now when we can't be in each other's physical presence, but we can talk to each other, um, just, just remembering the power that our words have. Yeah, it makes me think of, of Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as yes. fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So those are some great qualifiers for us. Just to, to ask, like, okay, I'm about to do this social media post. I'm about to send this text. I'm about to comment in my connect group or in my small group, or I'm about to say dot, dot, dot to my wife. Okay, be really careful with that one, fellas. But, uh, <laughs> but just to ask yourself and, and to ask God to give you discernment, is this good for building up? Does this fit the occasion? And is it going to give grace to anyone who might hear? And, um, and, and if we don't do that, we're just, there's going to, there's going to be a, a trail of destruction all in all the, our relationships. And it's really going to harm our witness. Like we were talking about before, like our calling card as the church of Christ, as, as the family of God is to the world, our calling card is, is our love. And if, if we're not representing that, it is, uh, it, it's egregious. So good. Thanks, Dan. Amen to that. Amen to both of you. Um, so, man, just let that be a charge. Let that be a charge and encouragement to you guys listening and for us three as well. You know, we're, we're trying to practice what we preach as well. So we hope that uh, through absolutely your time on this podcast and your time listening on Sunday, but really just your time in God's Word, um, Romans 15, has helped to just give some clarity and some guidance on navigating these crazy, crazy times that we are living in. Um, David, before we sign off, what's one thing in particular, obviously there's a lot, but what's one specific thing that people can be praying for, for you, uh, for these coming days and weeks and months? Thank you. That's a, a great question. Um, and you're right. There are many <laughs> things. Um, 
ultimately, uh, I will just encapsulate all of it by let God's will be done, not mine, not uh, the staff up there, not um, any of the individuals even here in this community, but just that God's will would be done, whatever that looks like, whatever is best uh, for his kingdom and for his people, that that's what he would use me for um, and that I would just be satisfied with whatever that outcome is. Okay. Church family, you heard it. We uh, we will be faithful to to pray that um, for you, David, and and we look forward to to hearing the reports of what God's going to do, and to maybe maybe seeing you pop up on a podcast in the future. All right, guys, it's been a pleasure with the two of you, everyone listening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, giving us your time with myself, Sean, and with Dan, and with Mister Batman over here. We uh. <laughs> <laughs> hope you're encouraged and we hope that we, you will uh, tune in on Sunday and then again for next week's Behold take care Hi-o. thank you for listening be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold if you would like more information about Valley Bible Church or if you'd like resources from this episode go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold catch you guys next week